welcome to Stories of Faith and Hope, the podcast that inspires your faith and gives you reason to hope. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. Welcome to 2020. I cannot believe that we're in a new decade. Uh, But I pray that each one of you will be drawn closer to God and find your faith renewed in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. Today we conclude Daniel chapter 11. Now, like I said last time, this chapter contains a whole lot of information, and we're barely scraping the surface here. But if you'd like to learn more, go to islamandchristianity.org and download the verse-by-verse commentary written by a previous guest of the podcast, Tim Rosenberg. Well, here it is, the conclusion of Daniel chapter 11. Today, we continue our trek through the book of Daniel. We are in the middle of Daniel chapter 11. Uh, If you remember last time, we ended in verse 22. Um, Daniel chapter 11 and verse 22. We are in the lifetime or the time period of Jesus. Daniel 11 is once again just kind of the same same way that we've been seeing with the book of Daniel, uh, prophecies that repeat and enlarge. And this is a prophetic principle that um, God often reiterates what he says uh, multiple times in prophetic books, covering the same ground. But there's kind of an enlargement that happens, especially on the closing scenes of the prophecies. So, as we've seen in Daniel, Daniel chapter 2, we had this image that Nebuchadnezzar saw in a dream, and then Daniel had the same dream. And you had this outline, these different metals that represented different kingdoms, uh, gold, silver, bronze, uh, iron, and then feet of iron and clay representing Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and modern-day divided Europe. Daniel 7, we had a similar um, prophecy. We had it in beasts. You had a lion, a bear, a leopard, and a dragon, or an unnamed uh, terrible beast. And those, again, represented Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And then you had a little horn amongst the divided Europe, which were the ten horns. And then you had this little horn that came up, and we discovered that that was, as, as we look back at history, the, the papacy. And it kind of grew out of the old Roman Empire, and it became this Roman Catholicism, um, kind of a spiritual Roman Empire. And then uh, Daniel 8, we have another similar one. We have, um, you have the uh, the, the goat um, and ram, and... Uh, we looked at this last time. This, of course, was at the end. Daniel had this dream at the end of the Babylonian Empire, and so it didn't even mention Babylon in there. We uh, we talked about Greece and Rome, and then again we had more about this little horn that comes up, and it's the uh, the papacy. So we see a lot of this where a lot of the same ground is covered, but more and more detail emerges, especially near the end of the prophecy. And so we see that here in Daniel chapter 11. We've been going through a lot of detail leading up to the Messiah. We saw the, the uh, Caesar Augustus who called for a taxation, which brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, and uh, Jesus was born there. Then you have Tiberius who became 
um, governor after that, or emperor after that, not governor. And uh, during that time period was when Jesus was put to death on the cross. So that's where we ended there in verse 22. So we will pick up the prophecy in verse 23. The king will make agreements with other nations, presumably to protect them and promote each other's mutual interest as allies. But he will turn these agreements to his own advantage. He will extend his kingdom and do things his forefathers never thought of doing. He will plunder his allies and distribute their wealth among his nobility, army commanders, and troops. He will be successful and overthrow many fortresses, but only for a short time. Now, again, I am reading from the clear word paraphrase. It's a uh, paraphrase, um, not a translation, but uh, it's it's a good devotional for the, the Bible. And I read there verses 23 and 24. Now, this is interesting because it talks about the, uh, th- this king that begins extending or making agreements with other nations and, and creating these allies, extending his kingdom, things like that. Now, if we follow the roadmap that have been set that has been set by uh, the previous visions, and as we look at history, we see that this is the rise of the papacy. This is when that little horn power comes into play. Um, and, and what's interesting is there was the seat involved in this. Um, it's now known that the document known as the Donation of Constantine is a forgery. And this is the document that the papacy used to bolster their claim to rule the Western Empire. Now, the papacy also took control with a small number. They've never had their own army. Um, and, uh, it says verse 24 that he would only rule for a short time. So this means that the papacy will only rule for a limited time. Now we've learned from Daniel chapter seven, that that period would be 1,260 days or years. Now the King of the North, remember we have this King of the North, King of the South, and they're kind of trading hands all the time. So the king of the north now enters its papal Holy Roman Empire phase, taking the place of the pagan Roman Empire that it used to be. All right, so at this time, we will continue with verse 25. Next couple verses say this. Before this, he will invade the land of Egypt and engage a large and powerful army in battle but the forces of Egypt will not be able to stand up against him. He will find that his worst enemies are back home among those who eat with him at his table. Palace intrigue will be rampant. The armies of those who want the throne will fight each other at the cost of many lives. At at times, two kings will sit at the same table, but will lie to each other, for their minds are bent on evil. Their lives will not help them, for they will come to their end at God's appointed time. One king will set his heart against the Holy Covenant and come against the city of Jerusalem and destroy it. He will then return to his own land with great riches. All right. So pagan Rome made no such invasion of Egypt or uh, the the south after the death of Jesus. So this must be the papal-led crusades against Islam initiated by Pope Pope Urban II in 1095. Uh, The area to the south of Palestine was now controlled by Islam, 
And so the king of the south has now entered its Islamic phase. Now, this is something that is unique to Tim Rosenberg's interpretation of Daniel chapter 11. And uh, like I said, if you want more information about uh, his interpretation, his viewpoint of this, it's islamandchristianity.org. He is a previous guest on the podcast, um, so you can go back and listen to that interview as well, where he talks about the highlights of Daniel 11. Um, but the the idea is that the, the king of the south here uh, the king of the north, we have seen, enters its papal phase. The king of the south, then, enters its Islamic phase. And so, this invasion of Egypt, uh, according to Tim Rosenberg's interpretation, is that um, it is one of the crusades against Islam. Uh, and so, the king of the south now has enters, entered its Islamic phase. Now, if you look through history, there's nine major crusades and many minor ones. Uh, there's large armies, high casualties. There's a lot of intrigue within the armies. Both sides lied and broke agreements. Um, and again, there's this reminder that the end will still be at the appointed time at the end of those 1260 days. But until then, the papacy would continued, continue. Uh, the, the booty from the Crusades led to many relics and artifacts being taken to Western Europe. Um, and uh, that, that's what verse 28 is talking about there, going against Jerusalem. Um, there were a lot of uh, relics and things taken to Rome from that. Um, if you visit Rome today, you see a lot of things that were taken um, during those Crusades. In fact, uh, there are many obelisks when we were in Rome this last summer or last summer, we got to see uh, some of these obelisks that had been brought from Egypt into Rome, and it's very interesting. Verse 29. Another king will rule the empire. He will try to restore its glory, but the kingdom will not be as it was before. Barbarian hordes, like furious sailors from Cyprus, will attack the empire, but he will succeed in holding it together. To strengthen his kingdom, he will turn against those who are loyal to God's covenant and support those who are suppressing it. He will use his army to back up his demands. He will help set up the abomination of desolation that will claim authority over the daily ministries of the heavenly sanctuary. This will produce a new king of the north who will seduce with smooth and slippery talk those who oppose him. He will tell lies to God's people, but those who know God will resist him. So this this time period now is talking about the pre-Reformation and Reformation. Uh, when many of the reformers were put put to death and put to the stake, so many who are loyal to God's covenant um, will end up being uh, destroyed. Um, verse 33 talks about this. They will teach people the truth, and for doing this they will be killed by sword or flame, or will have their homes taken away, or be tortured and put in dungeons. This will continue for some time. They will receive a little help, though many will fall, Still many more will be added, but some of these will not be sincere, nor will they love God. Because of persecution, many will lose their lives, but the faith of all will be purified, refined, and cleansed. This will continue right up to the beginning of the time of the end. Then there will be a little interval of peace before the actual end comes. Now, obviously, we know as we look back that after it became safer, the Protestant Reformation happens, uh, there are many... Prior to that, we have a lot of people being killed, burned at the stake. Uh, the Reformers, some of them lose their lives, but gradually as the Reformation takes shape, uh, it becomes safer 
to become a Protestant. And uh, pretty soon there's no danger in it. And so many join. And that's why Daniel says here um, that some are going to be genuine and some are not. And then it says, at the beginning of the time of the end, uh, this is when this persecution ends. So this suggests that the next couple of verses might be a summary of what happens uh, during that 1260-year time of persecution. So let's read that. Verse 36. The king of this new Roman power will exalt himself above all other rulers and gods and claim to speak in place of the God of heaven. He will magnify himself and be successful only as long as God allows. He will respect neither the God of his fathers, nor the one whom women desired to bear. He will exalt himself above all that is worshipped and sit in his temple and speak as if he were God. He will align himself with evil, with civil powers to accomplish his ends. He will honor the God of gold, silver, precious stones, and priceless treasures, the God of riches and power which his fathers did not know. He will challenge the strongest nations by the power of a God of his own choosing. Those who honor him, he will reward. He will appoint rulers over cities and nations and extract a price for the right to their own land. So this talks about uh, the Counter-Reformation and the stronger blasphemous statements of the authority of the papacy. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that talk about the papacy during those 1260 years um, of papal persecution that you can read about in the history books. Uh, verse 40, he will make an alliance with a king who has many chariots, horsemen, and ships. Those from the south will push at this king, and he will respond like a whirlwind, and with his armies will sweep through many countries like a flood. Now, these verses and on are talking about things that will happen at the time of the end. So this is a time period after 1844, which is, um, as we've seen in previous chapters, uh, the time of the end. And so um, we were going to have to see how a lot of this lines up with, with the king of the south and the king of the north um, and, uh, and, and seeing how, how the king of the north is still, uh, from what we can gather, um, the, the continuation of the Roman Empire, the, the Holy Roman Empire, and the king of the south being Islam um, taking over from Egypt. So th- these are things that will happen Soon, Verse 41, many will stumble and fall and be swept away. Not even the promised land will escape, but some from Edom, Moab, and Ammon will believe and be saved. He will extend his influence and power over many countries, including Egypt. He will control the treasures of silver and gold, and his wealth will exceed the ancient riches of Egypt, Libya, and Ethiopia. But messages coming from the east and the north will alarm him, and he will fear for his survival. Then he will lash out with great fury and will destroy as many as he can to protect his kingdom. He will extend his government to the land between the seas by the glorious holy mountain and put himself between God and his people. But he will come to his end, and no one will help him. You know, verse 44, where it talks about messages coming from the east and the north will alarm him. Uh, Jesus is going to come from the east, and Jesus will be the final king of the north, as we shall see in our next uh, part of this this series. Um, And that's the good news in this whole thing. And there, there may be challenging times coming up. There has been challenging times in the past. We can look at history and see that God's people um, have not always been on the right side of history. You look at the papacy and the things that were done in God's name and 
um, look at the Crusades and the battles between Islam and Christianity, and 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 we look to the future and we see that probably that's not over yet. But in the end, there's going to be good news coming from the east and the north. Jesus is going to be coming back. He knows what's going on. He has this whole thing under control. He's prophesied about it for thousands of years ago. And today we get to read those words and see prophecy being fulfilled. So that's the good news, is that God does know what he's doing. He does know the future. He's going to take care of you. And very soon he will come and (laughs) change this old world, recreate it, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth someday soon. I cannot wait for that day. I believe he'll be back very, very soon. Well, next week, we go back into the archives and listen to an episode recorded and hosted by Pastor Schomburg. He interviews Charles Staggs, a retired anesthesiologist who lives in Pulaski. Here's a short preview of that conversation where Charles is talking about the impact that Dr. Norman Henderson had on his life. Then he... uh talked me in a notion of uh, getting away from the factory and getting into the health field. And bless his heart, he went on a debt for me. I never will forget it. He's an unsecured uh, note. He just uh, put his confidence in me. And, uh, and a few times I got discouraged, but I said, no, a man had confidence in me like that. I'm going to go forward. That episode will be released next week right here on Stories of Faith and Hope. Make sure you're subscribed on whatever platform you're listening to this episode on so you don't miss that conversation and other future episodes of this show. You can find out information and find links to other platforms on our website, faithandhoperadio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Faith and Hope Radio. Music for this episode was provided by Dexter Britton under the Creative Commons license. I hope that each one of you have an amazing day, and until next week, have faith and hope. <laughs>